everybody it is me matt right here on another fantastic thursday evening on the writer's block thank you all so much for tuning in uh today uh there are a literal infinite amount of things you could be doing on a thursday and i appreciate that you want to spend them here with me uh no matter where you are whether it's Facebook, whether it's YouTube, whether it's Float, whether it's Twitch or Twitter or whatever. If you are watching this right now, make sure that you've hit the follow button, the like button, the subscribe button, the whatever button there is. Make sure that you've hit it. And if there is a bell, hit that bell. Hit it because we want you to, well, we don't want you to explode. We want your phone to explode anytime that we go live. Uh, because you deserve the gift of freedom. This is the the holiday season. Christmas is in like two days. So make sure that you get the give the gift of freedom by sharing this to everybody. Give the gift of muddied waters today. Kids love it. Um, also, if you if you choose that you want to, make sure uh, that you head on over to anchor.fm where you can subscribe where you can subscribe and you get all sorts of special content uh you get speeches from spike when he's out on the road you get uh special episodes from me and jason and me and spike and me and other people um you also get access to the muddied zoom which is a zoom call once a month between me spike uh anybody else from the muddied crew that wants to uh join in and uh, I know there's other things. Oh, you get 10% off at the Muddied Waters Media Store, and you get 20% off at Stitches and Glitches and Defy the Power. You get so much stuff, this thing pays for itself, like, immediately. So head on over to anchor.fm slash muddiedwater slash subscribe, and you can be a member of whatever we're going to call this thing. Uh, We have not decided yet. Uh, First and foremost... Allow me to thank the wonderful, kind, beautiful people at Nakamal at Home for the kava I am drinking on today's episode. Uh, Nakamalathome.com if you are interested. To them and to all of you, I say, Bula Vinaka. Also, huge thanks to the Narcissist Cookbook for allowing me to use his music at the beginning of these episodes. Uh, fantastic singer-songwriter out of the UK. Go and check him out. Uh, 
he just put out a new album. It's fantastic. It's wonderful. Um, so before I bring on my guest, my I'm very excited to have my guest on. I have wanted her on for a while, and we had to reschedule some time. Uh, but can't wait to get her on. But before that, I have to pay bills. So Joe Soloski. Joe Soloski is running for Pennsylvania governor, and I am willing to say he is the key to Pennsylvania's success. Uh, so if you live in the Pennsylvania region of these United States and you want to be the reason we have our first libertarian governor in the world, vote for Joe Soloski. He is the only thing that will make Pennsylvania mightier than the sword of an oppressive federal government. Uh, that If you want to support Joe in any way, go to joesoloski.com. That is J-O-E-S-O-L-O-S-K-I.com. The Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus, the fastest growing and second largest caucus in the Libertarian Party. If you want to join, all you have to do is head on over to Facebook and find the Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus uh, Facebook page, and you are now officially a member. Congratulations. If you want to become a voting member, which means absolutely nothing because we never vote on anything, head on over to the Muddied Waters Media Store and pick yourself up a Waffle House Caucus shirt or button, and then you're a voting member. The Gravy King. Tom Queter. Tom Queter is running for state Senate in New York. And as he says, I run better than Albany. And he finds that hilarious because his legs don't work. So if you live in New York, this is the kind of man that you should vote for to be your state senator. And you know he's going to be more fiscally responsible than anybody else in there because he's going to bring his own chair. Uh, if you want to support Tom Queter in any way, shape, or form, head on over to tomfor52.com. That is T-O-M-F-O-R-5-2.com. Mudwater. Mudwater is a coffee alternative for people who hate coffee. It has one-seventh of the caffeine, and if I haven't already basically sold you on not buying this, uh, it also has masala chai, cacao, mushrooms, turmeric, sea salt, cinnamon, and that is it. Uh... Spike drinks it every day, and he seems to love it. I tried it numerous times, and give me back my coffee. So it really just kind of depends on what kind of person you are. Uh, if you want to make the switch from coffee to mud water, all you have to do is head on over to Muddied Waters. That's not going to work. Go to muddiedwatersoffreedom.com slash mud, and you can hate your life slightly more than you do now. Jack Casey has written some books. He actually wrote more books, but he doesn't pay me to promote those, so I'm only promoting these. Uh, the Royal Green series. I have no idea what they're about. I understand that they are a fantasy kind of book series. Not really sure. Uh, something like Game of Thrones meets Lord of the Rings meets Ayn Rand, I think. I don't know. Uh, Jack Casey just gives me money and I put a picture up and I talk about them for a short period of time. Uh, and I won't ever read these books. So you should read these books and tell me if they are any good. <laughs> um, I think that's it, right? That's yeah. That's just get your muddy, get your muddy gear today. Head on over to muddywatersmedia.com slash store. So yeah, that's good. Um, Again, thank you all so much for being here tonight. Uh, I am very excited to bring on my next guest. Uh, she was supposed to be on three weeks ago, two weeks, three weeks ago, two or three weeks ago. Uh, and I had to cancel and I hate having to cancel on people. So uh, I am very glad to be able to bring on once again, Amy Lafour. Amy, uh, how are you? Thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. No, absolutely. Uh, I am I am so glad that we were able to get you back on so quickly. Um, I hate canceling shows. Like, I legitimately felt bad that day when I was, like, sending you that message. I was like, God, I hate doing this. I can't believe I have to cancel a show. It's quite yeah. all right. I'm good. Cool. We're just hanging out. Excellent. But hey, we're here now and uh, we're here now and that is all that really matters. Um, so before we get into all the happy haps up in Delaware, um, let's get your origin story and how you found yourself in the 
island of misfit toys known as the libertarian party um where 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 did you start like how did you how did you end up realizing you were a libertarian what made you decide to join up with the party um and what made you decide to go for such a high profile role in the uh in the uh, delaware LC lp okay absolutely <laughs> so so i think um my my story is best told by starting with the fact that i had a, a lengthy public safety career okay um and and i started there very young um and um the opportunity to interact with the public but also with um public money and with the grant process and um the the public safety procurement process and my specialization in ems and emergency management really gave me a great glimpse at the community and and how they were um, receiving public services or not um and and really i started to to question whether or not community could do the work better right so i went back to school i said i i have to understand what i'm seeing here i have to understand why grant budgets are un unnecessarily bloated. I have to understand why we treat citizens like they are uh, secondary in importance. Um, so I, I went back to school to, to find out why and, um, you know, studied a little bit of public choice theory, um, ended up studying um, alongside or, or rather writing alongside researchers from the Mercatus Center at George Mason, where I stumbled upon a, a thing called Austrian economics. <laughs> um, and, and, and that was kind of it for me. So I was a libertarian for some time, but certainly not an activist. And, and in fact, spent a lot of time questioning whether political mechanism was had utility uh, at all. Um, a, a little, <laughs> maybe some days I still do now, <laughs> but, but we're doing such good work in Delaware. I'm, I'm feeling okay about it. Um, you asked how I ended up in a, in a role with the state board for the Libertarian Party of Delaware. And, and you know, I, I um, had the opportunity to, to be the state coordinator for the Jorgensen campaign. So I had the opportunity to interact with some incredible people. Uh, we recruited so many volunteers. We got so many people excited about what was possible if we could grow the party in Delaware. Um, and I, wanted the opportunity to um, be able to continue to harness the the work of those volunteers and their passion for for liberty in in a time in our country when it, it could never have been needed more um so yeah i kind of i stumbled into it a bit but but i'm i'm glad to be here um but no regrets beautiful um i had to mute because my fiance just came back and the dogs just ran out and I was like, this is going to get very loud. Um, well, no, that's awesome. Um, actually I went to college. I started college. I don't want to say I went to college at George Mason because I started college there and then I discovered that drugs were really fun and I did not make it very far. Uh, but I actually went because of their economics department and I wanted to be an economist that graduated from George Mason. And then I discovered something called ecstasy, um, and that there are know. there are many paths. Mm -hmm. There are many paths, um, but yeah, uh, that's incredible. Were you living in Virginia at the time, or were you just going? No, back? so I I uh, did my uh, research work at University of Delaware, mm. but I ended up. Um, uh, writing book chapters for, for work they were producing. Uh, oh, cool. and, and in fact, I have an edited volume um, that I completed a couple of years ago and some of their authors contributed chapters. So really was just kind of like a collegial opportunity uh, to kind of learn from them. Um, so I did not study there. Uh, I was at University of Delaware. Okay, that's cool. No, that's, that, that's very cool. Um, George Mason's a beautiful, well, it was a beautiful campus when I was there. I don't know what it looks like now, um, but it, it was a beautiful campus. And the uh, two and a half semesters that I was there, just prime, prime education opportunity at the time. Um, but um, so let's get in. Let's just dive right into what is going on. Uh, I should have welcomed you and I apologize for this. I, I made a mistake here. But I should have welcomed you in as 
the vice chair of the Delaware LP. Uh, because you are the vice chair of the Delaware LP. Um, but not everybody agrees with that sentiment. Uh, so let's talk about what happened here. I'm, I, I, what happened at the last convention? Well, other than you winning. When was the last convention? Yeah, the last convention was over the summer. It was June 5th. Okay. And that was where you, you rightfully won the Delaware vice chair position me and, and a host of other folks as well who right. are kind of who are names you would know from the Delaware saga of course the chair uh, Bill Himes um, yes. certainly as well one on that day so yeah yeah okay so and when what happened between let's what happened between convention and October that kind of led to what we are going to mainly be focusing on tonight. Yeah. So, so the board is made up of 10 folks. Okay. And it was a bit of an even split around many of the issues uh, we confronted in those couple of months. There was an incredible amount of disrespect for the chair um, because I think there was some jealousy about the, the role he was able to attain um, from from certain other board members, uh, and I think that the Delaware uh, Libertarian Party has been small for many years. Right. And while there are wonderful people in it, it has been tiny, and it has not has not really produced much. Um, it has not recruited. It has not um, it has not grown into the community and uh, built any type of a reputation. And so I think that Bill as chair, me as vice chair, you know, Dave Casey, Dylan Griffith, all of these incredible folks on the board, we had been working since the Jorgensen campaign and we did not stop and we were ready to go and we, we want to make change in Delaware. And so I think um, there was some tension regarding wanting to build that reputation from the party or for the party rather. And so between June and about the end of, and, and, and you know, when, when everything happened around the end of September, beginning of right. October, there was just this tension, um, a, about a 50-50 split on the board uh, until such a time that one person just got sick of it. <laughs> the poor guy, he was our secretary, um, and he left and said, just, you know, I, I really can't, can't do this anymore. But our, the, the story, you know, and I can get into it the extent that you want me to, but our, the story about the 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 saga in Delaware that everybody has heard about really really starts at the end of August and I'm I'm happy to talk about that if you want me to no I, absolutely because okay according to the notes that I have is that on October first Will McVeigh Jimmy Brittingham Joe D Pascal uh, Joe De Pascal Brandy something like yeah something like that it's good. Brandy Kershaw and uh, Mary Pat McVeigh got to get got together on October 1st. So were there something more happened in August before this? You got it. The the importance of that that date of August 31st is that those folks, those five folks on August 31st hid um hid some language that would down the line uh they would use to attempt to change the bylaws. And they hid it like I don't know, like a teenager would, like with a meme dump, like they, they put it on Facebook, they turned off the comments and then they like posted their memes, right? I'm like showing my age here, right? Like a teenager would do it, but like <laughs> they, they did that, like a, like a very kind of immature, like an approach that is not, not something I expected because I expected like adult behavior and professionalism, but they, they buried this random language after having shut the comments off, buried it in like hundreds of images one night and resurrected it 30 days later in this fake meeting on October 1st that you just referenced where they claimed to oust the chair, the duly elected chair, right. myself, and then Dave Casey. And so from what I understand, this meeting lasted not long, like five, you know, five, five, 10 minutes. But in, in the first few minutes, they voted to change the threshold for removing uh, anybody that was in the LP Delaware uh, leadership from eight to 10 board members to two to three county chairs. You got it. Yeah, absolutely. 
So they were just basically, they basically just said, okay, we've now put this language in. It's been a month. Let's get back together. And uh, we are going to vote to make this change. So that way we don't need, we don't need to have a quorum of officers. We just need to have two out of the three county chairs. Okay, so real quick question, and this is my own ignorance. Every state I have lived in has been like Virginia, Tennessee, uh, Virginia, Tennessee, California, Arizona, Pennsylvania for a minute, and Florida. Do you only have three counties in Delaware? That is correct. Okay, that it's that crazy, the, right? Yeah, that is okay. Like yeah. that, that is wild to me. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, that was the part I was like, what? It doesn't sound right. <laughs> it, it it does not sound right even a little bit. Okay. So because there were two county chairs there, they were able to vote in these changes because of the rule change that they put into place. You got it. They they spent about five minutes on this whole ordeal. They changed the bylaws from a four-fifths vote to remove someone in leadership to two county chairs. Um, and, and two of them just happened to be county chairs. So they said that. Uh, Let's remove these other three people. And it was done. And it took, yeah, like five minutes between 801 and 806 that Friday night. And, and in that same time period, they agreed uh, They agreed to appoint Mr. McVeigh and Mr. Brittingham as chair and vice chair. Yes. It's, yeah, an enormous shock that it would end up that way. <laughs> it's weird. It's weird that the two, two of the county chairs uh, ended up being the chair and vice chair. Now, yeah. I will admit, like this, this is an egregious, egregious act by anybody in any political uh, organization, any uh, affiliate of any kind. However, I think the next thing that they did was the most shocking thing I have ever heard of any anybody doing in any party uh, when it comes to. Uh, anything like anything about membership or leadership or anything like that. Um, So a month later on Halloween, Mm -hmm. basically a month later, they basically had, they got the same group together, disenfranchised the entire membership and more than 2000 libertarians, uh, which included you guys, I'm assuming, um, included you guys, anybody that had been ousted and all of the members who had been paying lifetime memberships, all of them, and just said, nope, you are no longer libertarians or members of the Libertarian Party of Delaware. That is correct. And that that blows <laughs> my mind that somebody would have the gall to do that. Um, so they did... They did a couple of things on the 31st and then November 1st. They, um, yep, 2,060 libertarians just ousted from from participation in the party. Um, And then they also claimed to have disaffiliated one of the county affiliates, which Dave Casey is the chair of, which I promise you is alive and well and healthy and doing incredible things. So I don't know how disaffiliated they are. Um, The next day. It's weird that they they disaffiliated the one county that they said, we only need two out of three. We all know which one we don't want. I know. I know. The next day they whitelisted those libertarians who they deemed worthy for party participation. And it was like, mostly their family members and then like a handful of folks who don't support them, but support us and and come to our meetings and participate along with us. I understand. So I, for, for accuracy's sake, I understand that list has grown to 30 people now, (laughs) but, but, um, yeah. So, so kicking out 2000, some libertarians, um, making kind of a, an acceptable, you know, libertarian list out of, out of about 20 members the next day. And uh, that's, that's how they continue to proceed. And, you know, the LNC decision in November, in December has thrown a, a wrench in a bit, I'm sure to their, their process, but yeah. So it's, before- it's, it's ab- as absurd as it sounds. So before we get into what the LNC decided, um, if you think about it, their decision to go down to 20 members, 
means that in the over the course of a month, they went up uh, 50% in membership. Like they increased membership by 50%. So really, if you're just going for fast membership rates rising, what they did is smart. I mean, immoral is all hell, but it makes their numbers look good on paper. <laughs> It's a really good point. They must have been working on recruitment. I'm, I'm right. thrilled to see. <laughs> they went from yeah. twenty to they went from twenty to thirty. Like that's like 50% Matt. Increase. Like finally, though, finally, they're recruiting. It's good. <laughs> yeah, look at this. Look at the num- Look at the increase in recruiting that we have gotten over the last month. Obviously, yep. we're not the problem. <laughs> um, so when uh. <laughs> So I know that the LNC met about this and initially, initially the uh, outcome was not favorable. Like it was kind of like, this is kind of on Delaware. Let them figure it out. If yeah. The, so there if were that's two, the fair way were, to put it. Yeah. There were two votes in the third week of November. The first vote was whether or not to, to just recognize Bill as the chair the, the, the vote was to tell the truth. You know, the LNC had the opportunity to tell their dues paying members and, and the public and the, the broader libertarian community the truth, which is that Bill Hines is the duly elected chair and he has a board that he leads. Um, right. They didn't do that. There was also a vote that night to disaffiliate the Libertarian Party of Delaware, which, you know, w- which is in keeping, it is a step they can take. It is in keeping with their bylaws because there is turmoil. Um, and they couldn't manage that either. So they did neither of those things on November 21st. Um, just as a real quick side note uh, here in the comments, uh, super fiance Sarah Andreg says, love your sweater. And I'm assuming she's talking to you and not me. Yeah, um, <laughs> I think she might be talking to you because that is a kick-ass sweater. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, no, and then afterwards she said Amy's. And I went, oh. oh thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so once the LNC made their decision, their, once they voted on that in November, and it was essentially like, okay, we're just going to let Delaware handle this i almost said democrats uh we're just gonna let delaware handle this you know joe biden's from there it's um but once they uh made that decision in november i imagine that the that the tone of what's happening in the future was a little bit down um what happened in december that kind of turned that around for you yeah so, so while the LNC couldn't muster uh, a measure of leadership on November 21st, there are a couple of members who, who have been incredibly uh, supportive because they understand what, what the truth is. And those members pushed to make sure, um, uh, especially Susan uh, Hogarth, you know, uh, bringing forward uh, a, a group of folks to work around, um, to, to workshop a way that we might move forward. Um, and what was put forward on December 5th at the LNC quarterly meeting uh, was a motion that would uh, permit both sides to hold conventions and to gauge the uh, attendance and legitimacy of those conventions um, and to then render um, affiliateship, if you will, to, to one of those two, one of those two sides. And, and so they did pass that resolution. Um, and, and I'll be clear, it is not ideal. It is not what the, it is not kind of the, the ethical moral outcome. Right. right. But it's, it's one that um, was an advance over where we landed on November 21st. And so we, we took it. It's not, we're not thrilled with it. We so took it. We'll do it who, and we'll win. Who is going to be in charge of deciding which one is deemed to be more legit? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I said legit. And I think really the, if I, if I, the, the wording in the resolution is really focused on attendance. So it okay. seems to me a numbers game. And so for us, that means getting butts in seats and getting folks excited and using this as an opportunity to reach out to those 2000 libertarians kicked out of party participation and saying, 
we're here. We know you haven't heard from libertarians in many years, but but we're here. We're working. We're doing all kinds of awesome things. Um, and we want you at our convention physically and in person. I understand there's some weasel words being used by the other side about proxy voting uh, for convention and about virtual attendance, which, you know, they don't have tools for a, um, a professional and legitimate voting opportunity. Uh, they have just kind of discord and then this Will McVeigh character, um, you know, is kind of the hones his craft in the background with some bots and you know, it, it is not like a trustworthy process. So we understand them to be, um, you know, using their, their weasel words and weasel tactics a bit uh, in order to prep for their convention. So we are concerned about whether or not the, the numbers um, game is a legitimate one. Right. Yeah. That, my, my concern for what I consider to be the legitimate uh, Libertarian Party of Delaware Um my concern is that the people who voted to say, let's just let Delaware handle it are the ones who are going to vote to make that, make that decision. And they are going to be the ones that are going to say, okay, well, it's either this one that invited, uh, that somebody in the comments said, this really just pushes me towards full anarchism. And I, well, yeah, that's where I'm at. Like, um, you said something earlier, uh, before I get back to my point, you said something earlier about, you know, the, the leadership at LNC failed to show leadership. And I thought to myself, well, that's not new. Um, that's par for that course. Um, but what I see, my, that's my fear is that the people who are in charge, who are in charge of making that decision in November, are going to go back and they're going to say, okay, well, we're going to give it to not the people that invited the 2000 libertarians that have been disaffiliated. Uh, we're going to give it to the other people who were quote unquote last in charge. And that like, that's my concern about this, but I do feel like you guys, the, the, the rightful uh, affiliate, the, the rightful uh, leadership council, has the ability to put together a much better convention than they ever could with their 20 people, 30 people. Um, so now that, now that you have a convention on the horizon, a new, a new convention on the horizon, when, when is that going to be happening? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, somewhere between the end of February and the beginning of March, we are, we're still shopping around for venue uh, that that's big enough to, to suit the convention we hope to have. Okay. Very cool. And once you, once you find the venue and you kind of not nail down time period, what's, what's the goal? Like how many people are we trying to get? What are we trying to achieve while we're there? What, what's the plan? So our last convention, so the one that occurred over the summer, there were 40 voting members. Okay. And I am given to understand that that is maybe the largest number of voting members at a convention that Delaware has ever had. Okay. <laughs> so, so um, again, Matt, when, when um, the folks who volunteered for the Jorgensen campaign came on board, there were like 17 libertarians meeting in Delaware. Now there's like, I don't know, somewhere between 40 and 50. So you know, if that, if that tells you anything about how we have grown, but, but what we started with. Right. And the, the growth there is amazing. Even if you had 2000 libertarian, 2060 libertarians, uh, signed up as libertarians, being able to go from 17 to, uh, you said 40, 50, 40. Yeah. We're like somewhere between with, with okay. all three counties, of course. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, we don't, we don't have like a, um, there is a bit of a lock on one of the counties um, down south where members have been threatened to to not show up. So we're really working with the two counties here. Fair. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know that may, oddly enough that makes sense. Um, yeah. But the growth that you showed just in 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 that short period of time from the people from the Jorgensen Cohen campaign coming on and kind of taking charge and using that momentum to push forward. 
to have that kind of growth from 17 to 40 to 50 is incredible in that kind of a time period. Um, so kudos, kudos to all of you who are actually doing real work as opposed to just being upset about who's in charge or, you know, who the, the people in charge are affiliated with or anything like that. Sure. Um, yeah. Um, the, the people here are incredible. Um, I, I cannot say enough about what they have already been able to build and about what their potential is. So it will be something to, to behold when it is permitted to kind of manifest itself fully and we're not mired down in bullshit. Right. <laughs> um, so once, uh, cause you know, put, put positive things out there and hopefully positive things come back. So once you guys end up being seen as the rightful affiliate and you are now back, what are the plans for Delaware? What is it that you, that you guys, that you and the others, uh, want to do in order to ensure that Del that Delaware continues to grow, that Liberty starts spreading and that it doesn't put out another Biden. Yeah. So the first thing we'll do is we'll deal with our internal issues and yeah. we will never put important bylaw changes in the hands of a couple of members who are elected leaders. Those decisions should be made by members at convention. Yes. Bottom line. So the membership should drive everything, not only elections, but also the, the doctrine we adhere to. So that's an important internal change we have to make. Past that, I envision exponential growth. We continue to recruit and bring in excited people. I'm not going to lie. Right now, it's really hard to explain to a new person what they're seeing uh, in Delaware. So that's a little bit of a, that's, but there has been a little bit of a lull. And a couple of folks who said, oh my goodness, I'm not dealing with those people. And when you shed them, then <laughs> we'll, we'll come back. So exponential growth. Um, we also are... You know, we have no no other recourse than to work with the two old parties when it comes to finding sponsors for legislation. Um, but right now, we hope to have our first bill going in that will be sponsored by folks from both of the old parties, and Beautiful. and that's the defend the guard legislation. We hope that will be um, at least entertained this session, if not passed. Um, we and which are and running... what's this legislation concerning? Just so people yeah, outside of yeah, Delaware absolutely. Know. so. So the defend the guard legislation, as I understand it, in 37 different legislatures right now across the country, and it seeks to um, make it so that the governor cannot deploy our National Guard overseas unless Congress okay. has declared war. Seems like a no brainer. It, yeah, so, that seems that seems like a no brainer. Um, and 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 there's a lot of bipartisan support for it. And here, again, we're kind of forced to work with, with Republicans and Democrats. And um, they, have, they have really been uh, open-minded and, and amenable to it. So my point, my, my broader point is, you know, that's not the only bill uh, we're looking at. So we're looking to work with legislators and, and start to bring kind of some liberty-focused bills into that General Assembly, because there are certainly not enough. We... Um, have a lot of folks who are going to be strong candidates. So we are running a school board candidate at the beginning of this year. And I think he will, uh, he has received endorsements from other organizations already. Um, not, not, will not just receive the Libertarian Party endorsement. And we're super excited about that. And it's an important time to be running in school board campaigns. Um, he's also my husband, so I am biased, but, um, but Dylan <laughs> Griffith will, will be a phenomenal school board member. Um, and, and past that, um, I think we're going to have a couple of other candidates step up, but we're going to focus on local elections, um, local and you know, kind of municipal elections, uh, statewide elections. If it if it if it is um, in the cards and it's the right candidate, and um, it, that that candidate has honed a message that that people want to hear, um, but but we're really going to focus on on the most local elections possible, and we're going to start winning there. Perfect. Yeah. What I've been saying for years. Um, so I officially became a member of the Libertarian Party in 2014, I believe. Um, I was a Libertarian years before that, joined the party in 2014. And then um, 
I got involved. I was, you know, knocking doors. And then in 2016, everybody was like, Gary Johnson's going to win the presidency. All he has to do is win New Mexico. And then this is how it could happen. And I said, he's not going to win New Mexico. It doesn't matter. And they're like, how do you not have faith in this? And then in 2020, the same thing. People were like, we just need them to win one state. And I was like, they're not going to win one state. And people got mad at me and they said, Spike is your best friend and co-host and business partner. How can you say that? And I was like, well, I'm realistic. Um, and what I've been saying for years is we're not going to get a libertarian president anytime soon. We need to get libertarian dog catchers, libertarians on school boards, libertarians in city councils and as mayors. And as people start seeing what libertarians are able to do locally, they will start to basically prom the voters will promote them naturally to your state houses or state legislatures, whatever you have, um, and then state senates and then and then to the House of Representatives or to the Senate or to, you know, higher, higher offices, uh, federal offices. Um, but you need to start winning here. Well, everywhere, but, you know, locally. <laughs> um, you need to start winning locally. Uh, if you want to start winning here in St. Pete first, that'd be great. I would love it. Um, but you need to start winning locally before you're going to be able to win any of the higher offices. So focusing on that, I think is a focusing on membership, like you said, and, and then focusing on um, winning local is fantastic. Uh, those are two huge items that, that need to be done in every affiliate, every county affiliate, every state affiliate across the nation. Focus on winning local. Uh, Pennsylvania, who's like your neighbor, just a little bit to the North. Um, what they've done with the molten maneuver and winning 152 seats, I think is the last count. Um, winning 152 seats is huge because now you have 152 libertarians out there attempting to show what it is that they can do as libertarians. And because of what they can do, because we all know we have the best ideas, we just have to show people that we can do it. Um, so now that we have that opportunity in Pennsylvania, those people will start going to state, I don't know what they have there, uh, legislature, uh, and then to the state Senate, and then hopefully into federal office. Um, but I love, I love everything that you guys are doing up there in Delaware. Uh, what is it that people watching, people that are going to be listening on uh, Anchor.fm or on their favorite podcasting platform... What is it that they can do to help in order to ensure that the rightful affiliate wins? It's, a, it's an excellent question. So, you know, we we are raising funds for we, we have a legal battle um, mm -hmm. and I don't have that link in front of me, Matt, but I would ask if I can share it with you that at some point you share that. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, with folks, we do have a legal battle on our hands. Um, and I think in the coming months, you're going to start to see that ramp up. Uh, especially uh, depending on what happens with, with the LNC. Um, yeah, I mean, pa past that, I think, you know, when, when they have the opportunity to speak with the chair of their state or with an LNC member, just making sure uh, that the LNC, when they're prepared to make a decision, um, if, if the decision to be made is on these two conventions, that they are making the decision um, based on uh, not just attendance, but but legitimacy of that convention uh, and and approach to the convention, um, and and actual attendance, meaning butts and seats, not just like uh, who who you say voted when they were online. So that's a, obviously a concern <laughs> we have. But but just yeah, and and you know, if, if folks are listening and they're not in Delaware, you know, there there I know the history of the Libertarian Party, and I know what we have to overcome to move forward and win these local elections and impact legislation. But I do believe that that it can be done. I mean, we're we're, we're going to do it here in Delaware, and and we started from from inside a hole. So I think that like a lot of other places aren't aren't starting quite from there, and and it can be done. So yeah, join up. Beautiful. Uh, I'm going to tell you a really fun fact about myself. Uh, my it's either my great grandfather or my great uncle. I don't remember which. Um, 
We're going to go with great-grandfather. Uh, he lost to Joe Biden in a Senate race in Delaware in the early 70s or mid-70s. Um, he wasn't the Republican. He ran as a member of the Communist Party. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> yeah. He had a... Uh, he had a newspaper that went out called the, uh, God, what was it called? It was called like the Daily Porcupine or the Weekly Porcupine or something, which I hate now because, you know, libertarian. Yeah. But, um, and, yeah, and he, he ran against Joe Biden. Yeah. He ran against Joe Biden. He lost miserably because he was not a member okay. of the two party system. Um, <laughs> well, it, but it does seem like he influenced Biden's policies a little bit. He, yeah. You know, Biden was like, I need to pick up what that guy did. Yeah, so um, that's good. <laughs> but yeah, so um, yeah, my 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 mom's side of the family is from in that area, and one of my one of my relatives lost to Joe Biden. Well, in the Senate race. plenty of people here, have lo- yeah, have have lost to Joe Biden. He's certainly right. a favorite in this area. I don't know why, but yeah, he continues to be for some reason, and I don't yeah. understand it. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I'm I'm glad that we finally got a chance to uh, rectify a couple of weeks ago and have you on so we could talk about this. Because honestly, um, I know that some people in the comments were saying, you know, why are we focusing on the infighting? There are bigger things to worry about. And to them, yes, there are bigger things to worry about. But if we're going to mm-hmm. continue infighting, we're not going to be able to achieve anything else because you're going to see the same issue that you see uh, in Congress where, you know, the Republicans aren't going to vote for anything because the Democrats put it up. The Democrats aren't going to vote for anything because the Republicans put it up and you don't need that within the party. So we need to fix the infighting. We need to get it out of the way. Um, and we need to have the rightful people in place to make sure that they are the ones that are, you know, leading the charge, the people that were voted on, the people that were, uh, not really sworn in, but you get the point. Uh, and yep. so that way, moving forward, we can increase membership. We can increase uh, local elections being one, and that will change everything at a local level where it is most important to change it, because from there it will grow. Yeah. Yeah. For your, your folks who have, have made those comments, I, I agree with them 100%. I am, Matt, I am sick of telling this story. Right. There is so much work. There is so much other work that could be done. Um, and I agree. I think we're focused too much on, on infighting. And the only way to get past that is for those folks to make sure that they're active locally and they help to put measures in place where this can't happen in their state. Right. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Yeah. There's so many issues that you see uh, across affiliates. Uh, Down here in Florida, when I left the Libertarian Party, it's because we were having massive, massive issues. Uh, And I was like, I don't want to be a part of any of that going on right now. So I ended up leaving the party. Um, And because of the infighting, because of all of that, I know that they lost membership. And nobody should have to deal with that because of infighting. It should be it should be laid out. These are the rules. This mm-hmm. is what's happening. And yeah. now I think there are some protections here in Florida to ensure that something like that doesn't happen again. So, so here's to hoping that the rightful people in Delaware get their seats back or continue to hold their seats because you haven't lost them. You still want them. You won them and they're, they're yours. You can't get them back. Um, but that you continue to hold your seats and that, uh, you know, protections are put into place to ensure that something like this doesn't happen by four rogue people. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. And it's a shame to have to come on here. There's a much cooler stuff we could be talking about. There is but... so much cooler stuff. Honestly, I was excited to have this. Cause I was like, I can't wait to have this conversation. Um, oh, man. But yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Um, is there anything that you want to say to our dozen of viewers right now that uh, you would like to that you would like to tell them? I would like to tell them thank you, <laughs> and and simply that again, you know, I couldn't agree more. We're too focused on the infighting, and the literal only way to move past that 
is to get involved locally. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so you heard it. Get get involved locally, and then you can go out and you can do whatever you want. Um, well, Amy, thank you so much for coming on. I'm going to close the show out. If you have to go, I understand. Um, and if you don't have to go, I'll hang out for a little bit and talk to you. But if not, I will talk to you soon. And good luck. If you need anything between now and convention, let us know. You have all of the support of Muddied Waters. I cannot thank you enough, Matt. Thank you so much. Thank you. And I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Make sure that you get your muddied gear today. Head on over to muddiedwatersmedia.com slash store, and you can be the proud owner of a Waffle House t-shirt. Waffle House Caucus t-shirt. Not a Waffle House t-shirt, because I think that would get us sued. Um, but a Waffle House Caucus t-shirt. Uh, this weekend... I hope that each and every one of you has a wonderful, wonderful holiday, uh, whether you're celebrating Christmas or something else, Boxing Day, Kwanzaa, I don't, whatever you want to celebrate, I don't care. Uh, but be safe. Make sure that if you're going out and having fun and partying and doing whatever it is that you want to do, uh, don't drive if you can't. Uh, trust me, it's not worth it. There's a reason I don't drink or do drugs anymore, and I'm certain you can guess what that is. Oh, yeah. Festivus. Happy Festivus, everybody. I did not do a uh, airing of grievances today, but uh, you can just imagine where many of those would lie, and most of them are with actually James Cameron, uh, because that guy sucks. Um, so have a wonderful holiday season. Uh, there is no show this weekend. Jason Lyon is off Tuesday. There is no Muddied Waters of Freedom. However, I think we agreed on Wednesday, Spike and I will be together right here in this chair on, Tuesday, on Wednesday, uh, where we will be giving the Muddied Waters end of year wrap up. Uh, the two of us will be here together and we will be... Uh, you know, just going over everything that happened this year, the stuff that we forgot about, stuff that we uh, didn't forget about, but it doesn't seem like it was this year. And we have, uh, it's going to be a good time. So tune in. That's going to be at eight ish Eastern on Wednesday, I believe. Um, for your fun fact of the week, let's see what it is. Dogs aren't actually colorblind. They can see in color, just not as vividly as humans, which I did not know. I always thought they only saw in black and white. Uh, so, again, thank you all so much for tuning in. Enjoy your holiday. There is no writer's block next week. Uh, so I will be back after the new year. So have a great new year. Until then, I am Matt Wright, and you are perfect just the way you are.